I'm here with Matthew Maroon. He is the marketing department chair at BYU-Idaho. So first, Brother Maroon, I, I want to start from the beginning. So I understand growing up, your father was not a member of the church mm-hmm. and your mother was not active. Right. What was that like for you being in and out of the church for a bit? Sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah, kind of my, my, my upbringing was a little unique, I guess, to, to maybe your typical LDS background or whatever. Um, my, my mom was taught by missionaries, um, and, uh, she was baptized when she was a little girl. So she's first generation. She knew enough about the church that when, um, kids were born that they would get blessings. And so I'm the oldest in my family. When I was born, she knew enough to kind of, you know, go to church so I can get a baby blessing. So I did get a baby blessing. Uh, she knew enough that when um, uh, members of the church turned eight, that they were eligible for baptism. And so um, so I actually took the missionary discussions as an eight-year-old and went to church the two times that were required or whatever it was, um, and then was baptized when I was eight. Um, but then we were kind of, you know, not really involved in church until some one of my younger sisters got Baptized, you know, we would go for the two weeks for uh, for 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 them to go pa- get baptized, and then we wouldn't go. And this happened off and on for for several years. Um, but I think the big thing for me is um, when I was taking the missionary discussions, they had taught me um, just the power of prayer, and they said that you know you should be praying every day. And so I remember, um, even though I wasn't going to church, um, I still said my nightly prayers, and that was something that was you know important to me. And it was kind of funny because I would you know have sleepovers with my friends, and and my friends um, they knew they they knew I would always have to say my prayer before you know we went to bed. So that was just kind of a, a thing, and. And I think that really kind of helped me early on, um, even though I didn't really know why I was doing it at the time, but it did help me kind of build a relationship with God. And and that was something that, um, you know, has just been invaluable throughout all my life. And, and, and I was lucky to kind of have that foundation early on, even though we weren't going to church, um, you know, my parents were, you know, they, they, they weren't living any sort of standards uh, other than yeah, their marriage vows kind of a thing. So, so, so I had a lot of fun things kind of, kind of going on in my life uh, early on, but, um, but I, but I was building that relationship with God. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. So what made you want to be more active in the church? Yeah. So it was kind of funny. I was, uh, I was 15 years old and, um, and so I was in, um, I was my sophomore year of high school and at the time, my a lot of my friends who I was hanging out with, like they were they were all right dudes. Like I played sports, and so they were just kind of like your typical bros, I guess. I don't know. Um, we had a lot of fun growing up, but at that time, they were kind of starting to get into stuff that I just wasn't really into, um, kind of doing things that I wasn't really into. And and I kind of uh, I kind of just felt like I needed new friends. And so um, because I was saying my prayers, um, you know, I, I I remember praying one night, kind of cutting a deal with God. I was like, God. Like, will you give me new friends if I go back to church? Um, was 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 kind of was kind of my deal, and um, and I don't know that you're supposed to do that, but in my scenario, I think it I think it worked okay. Um, and and clearly, I felt like yeah, you need to go back to church, and so um, so this was probably uh, fall, uh, you know, my sophomore year, and so so we my, I told my mom about it, who again was a member but just was less active, and it's like you know, mom, I think I'm kind of thinking about going back to church, like I. I don't know, like I just I think it would be good for me to get new friends or whatever. And, and she was really supportive. And she's like, you know what, I, I, I'll i go with you. And so 
Uh, so we, we made a New Year's resolution, and um, that January, um, we started going back to church just kind of organically, I guess. Um, and then uh, eventually my younger sister started coming, and and uh, and then it turned out for, for several years, my mom, uh, myself, and my younger sisters um, were pretty active in church uh, throughout most of my, my high school years. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool how you kind of brought them back into it. Yeah. I mean, it's like it, – it, it, it's – it's God, right? Like, it's just right. kind of like, like, I, I, I don't know. I think, I think my mom had kind of been, you know, I think he was working on her as well and, 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 and everything else. Uh, but, um, uh, but, but yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of a, a, a fun experience, I guess, in that regard. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So then after that, what led to you wanting to serve a mission? Yeah. Um, maybe a little bit of peer pressure. Um, <laughs> I, uh, you know, because of my family situation, we didn't have any sort of legacy, any other, you know, f- missionaries in our family, um, in our immediate family or, or, or beyond. Um, you know, all I, I was, I was lucky. Like I, we started going back to church. I, I found what I wanted and that was new friends. Um, we all got along really well. Um, we liked the same things. We liked, you know, we liked sports. We liked video games. We liked, you know, to flirt with girls or, or whatever, whatever the case was. Um, and, uh, and I was very fortunate because I had kind of like that group of people who I really connected with. And naturally when they started going on missions, I was like, okay, that's, I guess that's what I do now. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to go on a mission now. And so, um, so, so some of it was, you know, just kind of their example. And, 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 and a lot of it too was, was I had felt very blessed and fortunate, even at a young age, just kind of seeing, you know, where those prior friends were kind of ending up and, and, and kind of the trajectory I was on, uh, I kind of felt like, man, I kind of dodged a bullet maybe in some ways and, and felt very fortunate and, and wanted to, to honor that relationship that I had made with God and, and, and serve him and serve, you know, his, his children and kind of do uh, that, that next step that I thought was appropriate at that time. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, that says a lot about the people you surround yourself with. Yeah. You know, yeah. They, I mean, it can totally change the trajectory of your life, I think. It, it really does. And, you know, it's interesting because like my I have a, my the sister who's just after me, she's four years younger. And, um, you know, you would think that we would have similar experiences uh, coming to church kind of around the same or going back to church around the same time. And it was just different for her. Um, you know, she. The, the she wasn't able to really find friends um, uh, kind of in her her age range um, or at least people who she connected with. There were girls her age, but just no one who she really connected with. And and she had a much different experience and ended up leaving, um, you know, the church in high school. So it's kind of we had opposite experiences where I kind of came back to church in high school and she left. And and I really do attribute a lot of that to just the situation and, and, and maybe some of the people who we had around us who we knew you know, um, uh, we were connected to. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's interesting. So, okay, you you decided to serve a mission and you mm-hmm. went to Honduras. I did. What can you tell me a bit about that? Like, what were some some key moments that stuck with you? Yeah. So, um, so I was fortunate enough to uh, to go to a place I had no idea even was was on the map before I got my mission call. <laughs> um, and so I had that quintessential kind of experience of, of all of a sudden be thre- being thrust into a third world country without very little context of, of what I was getting myself into. Um, I absolutely loved it. I, I, I loved having that opportunity to, um, to kind of go out and obviously, you know, kind of 
strengthen my own testimony and and kind of you know be be a servant. Um, I remember though thinking, and I know lo- lots of missionaries kind of have this experience. Like I went out just thinking I was going to change the lives of so many people, and I was going to be the greatest thing in the pe- in these people's lives that they could ever you know uh, dream of or whatever. And uh, quickly realized that you know I was the one that needed the changing, mm-hmm. and uh, you know just based off of their. Faithfulness, an example, Honduras. Um, you know, I was in the MTC when a big hurricane went through, uh, Hurricane Mitch, which killed about 10,000 people in the area in Central America. Wow. And so I came in right on the heels of that. And it was very, they were very humble and very, you know, uh, it was just a kind of a, a rough situation. But their example of faith and of, of gratitude and all these things, you know, you know, despite having just gone through this massive hurricane, despite having very little to begin with and having a lot of that taken away, I was just floored by the, the faithfulness and the goodness of, of, you know, just their, um, uh, just their attitudes and kind of who, who they, they were and who they are. And so, so that was pretty impactful for, you know, that 19, 20 year old kid trying to, change the world or whatever, where, where I was the one that was definitely changed. Yeah, it's so cool. You know, I, I think that's a, a common experience. You go, you're like, I'm going to teach them. They're going to learn so much from me. Right. And then the opposite happens, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, it was. And it was something that, you know, even despite all of my own kind of whatever, what I believed it was going to be, it was such a it was such a big thing for me. And just gaining confidence, uh, learning another language was never anything I thought I would have the capacity to do. And uh, even even while I was out there, I was like, this is just not going to happen. Like, I I don't know, you know, how I'm going to do this. But but seeing kind of those tender mercies and seeing kind of like, you know, the blessings that come from whatever, uh, working hard and and a lot of prayer and everything else. Um, once I once I got it, it was just a huge confidence builder for me and kind of what my capacity was and, and the things that I could do that maybe I didn't believe I could. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. That's so cool. So now, can you tell me a bit about your time as a student at BYU-Idaho? I understand that you, you went a little bit before your mission and then came back. Can you just tell yeah. me what it was like here? Yeah, so my uh, my freshman year, it was Ricks College. Uh, this is uh, summer of 97. And, um, you know, had a great experience my first year. Um, and when I was on my mission, they announced that it was going to change to BYU-Idaho. It was going to be a four-year school. And so when I came back, um, I think it was probably winter semester of 2001. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, you know, everything was kind of in the, in the, in the process of changing. Um, and so um, with a lot of those changes um, came a lot of what have become many of the foundational addresses. Um, so it was President Bednar, who was the, um, who was the university president at the time. Um, and, you uh, and I, I was, I was, I was kind of in the room when, when, uh, when Elder Iring was, was, was there, kind of giving a steady upward course over in the Hart Gymnasium. Um, I remember just feeling just powerfully like how, uh, how important I guess I was uh, and we were as students and what we had to offer the world. Um, it was the first time I'd ever heard anybody, uh, heard an apostle say like, you know, and I prophesy and I was just like, wait, what? Like you can do that? Like I didn't, I mean, I know you can do it, but like you're doing it, like <laughs> yeah. it's happening. And so I, um, uh, that was just very impactful. Um, you know, I, um, I was here when they dedicated the Hinckley building and, and it was president Hinckley who was here doing that dedication. And so I just, I just kind of had this, this foundation of, of, uh, 
of purpose, I guess, and and really kind of having an idea of what my purpose was as as a student, still not knowing where I was going or what I would do, but knowing that I that I had more to do um, than than what I was you know, just kind of doing in my classes or whatever. And that that really kind of just helped inspire me to feel like there was something more um, that uh, that I that I had to offer. And, and and again, kind of just building my own testimony and my own kind of confidence kind of incrementally, um, you know, BYU-Idaho was a big part in that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And, and the prophecy is just so cool. It, now, correct me if I'm remembering it wrong, but essentially that BYU-Idaho graduates would become legendary. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's the word, right? Like I, I, um, I, I probably couldn't remember very much, uh, from, from the talk after afterward. Um, but there was that word legendary that always stood out to me. And I, when I, um, you know, after BYU-Idaho, I had this incredible opportunity to move to New York City for my first job, which again, was never on my radar, never had any ambition to land out there, but had the opportunity and, and kind of moved forward with it. And, and I just I remember just kind of thinking, okay, this is this is what legendary looks like, right? This is I'm 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 starting my legendary path, right? Not not really knowing kind of the context of maybe some of the other things that Elder Iron had said, but but knowing that there was there was a greater purpose there, and that I was I was fulfilling that was was pretty powerful. Yeah, yeah. What was that like when you went to New York City, and you know you're starting to see some, you know, the prophecy, I guess, kind of come to pass. Yeah. I mean, it was incredible. I, um, I mean, just, I was, I was not that ambitious student who kind of had everything figured out and kind of knew where they wanted to go. Um, and so when I arrived in New York, I kind of felt, um, kind of like a fake because all these other people who, you know, I was meeting in my singles ward, um, you know, they, that was their, that was their lifelong dream was to live in New York, to work on wall street, to, um, perform on Broadway, uh, to, you know, get into Juilliard and be taking classes there. And I was just kind of this felt like a kid still who'd kind of stumbled into it and, uh, but was just loving every opportunity that I had. And, and, and I think that that helped me to kind of just maybe have some perspective of like, man, don't, don't waste this opportunity. Like it's such a, it's such a blessing and such an opportunity. Like it kind of, I kind of felt in a weird way, kind of like a pioneer. I was one of the first, um, I think I was the first communications student, um, maybe the second or third business or kind of student from the business college or the, the College of Business and Communications to kind of go to New York City. And so I felt kind of a little pressure there to kind of perform and to represent. Um, but uh, but it was it was all good stuff that really kind of just helped me remind or helped helped me remind me of that greater purpose and and uh, and, and and what I was doing and, and fulfilling that prophecy and and fulfilling the opportunities for what the Lord saw in me that maybe I didn't see in myself. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So what exactly were you doing there? Like, what was your job? Yeah. So I started um, as an as an intern um, for the Nielsen company. Uh, they do the the TV ratings. Um, and so if you've ever heard like this many people tuned into the, the Super Bowl, they're the, they're the group that kind of measures that. Um, so started um, as kind of a, an intern, moved into a full-time role as like a data analyst, which was kind of funny because I had no background in data or statistics or anything, but but just kind of had faith that I could figure it out. And if that's what the Lord wanted me to do, then that's I was, he's going to help me figure it out or whatever. And so um, um, so was at Nielsen for um, for almost seven years, moving kind of um, within a few different roles in account management and and um, and, and client services and sales. Um, and then uh, 
uh, while I was at Nielsen, while I was in New York, had the opportunity to to meet my wife. Um, and so I I was one of those students who who didn't um, get married at BYU Idaho, and and maybe felt a little maybe felt a little I don't know weird that I may have missed my opportunity. Um, but man, New York was was a pretty amazing place for um, for single people, and I, I had the opportunity to. Um, to, to date a lot of women who were quite frankly out of my league <laughs> and uh, my wife uh, being the the you know kind of the greatest of those and um, and so so yeah I had the opportunity to kind of uh, get married um, we had our first two kids out there um, you know I was at Nielsen for almost six and a half years seven years uh, took a job at Microsoft which was for me a dream because I'm from the Seattle area originally and so uh, just had some connections there, and and was able to be at the company uh, at a really fun and significant time, and 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 then li- again, living this life that I just, in a lot of ways, kind of felt uh, like I didn't deserve, um, or maybe, uh, yeah, just kind of was an imposter, right? Like, uh, but 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 still trying to do my best to just appreciate it in the moment, and 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 make the most of it, and try to understand that you know God had a purpose for it all. Yeah, I love that. I think you know sometimes students will get an opportunity and kind of have that imposter syndrome. Oh, yeah. You know, just the fear of like, oh, maybe I won't do it, you know? Right, totally. So it's real. You, yeah, do you have any advice for someone who might be feeling like that? Yeah, I, I, I think the first thing is just to know that it's real. It happens to everyone. It doesn't matter if you're – and that's – so that's the fun thing about my career is I've had the opportunity to kind of connect with some, you know, pretty heavy hitters in, in industry, both in the media world and the tech space, um, whatever, VPs, um, in some cases presidents and CEOs. And as I've built some of those relationships, it's just it's just fun to kind of see these people because they're just human. Like they're they're not really super impressive necessarily. They've just either had opportunities or, and some of them, you know, some of them are are, are, are impressive. But they all kind of share this that same idea of just like I I really don't know what I'm doing. Like <laughs> like I'm I I don't know why it's me and not this other person. The other person seems way more qualified. And so I think that imposter syndrome is just very natural, and and uh, and we just have to kind of own it and recognize it. Um, I, and 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 I think maybe if, if I don't know if it's if it's the right kind of approach, but if if you have to fake it till you make it, um, I don't think that's a bad thing because I think it provides opportunities to grow and develop. And if you think about this life, I think that's kind of what why we're here, right? Is to grow and to develop. And so I would I would say if anybody's struggling with that. Um, don't wait until you feel like you're fully ready to to, to take that next step because um, you're you're probably not going to grow and develop as much as as you could if you didn't take it when uh, when when maybe you had more opportunity to learn. Yeah, that's true. That's great advice. Thank you. Yeah. So as as students here, we're kind of in the safe haven. We're kind of in this bubble. Sure. But then we graduate and we go out into the world and. You know, I think we still want to, you know, stand in holy places and do all those good things, but we're in like a new environment that might not be as holy. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, what advice do you have for students who still want to be disciples and be good examples while still, I guess, being in the world, but not of the world? Yeah, totally. And that was something that, you know, was became very apparent when I moved to New York City. And uh, I'm literally moving from Rexburg to New York City. I don't know if there's much... Bigger kind Pretty of uh, change in scenery, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and um, I remember, you know, my, my first week, uh, you know, at work or whatever, they wanted to kind of just go out and do like a happy hour. And, uh, you know, and I was like, okay, like, 
like, should I, should I go? Like, am I allowed to go? Like, where, where do I stand on this? And I hadn't really given it much thought beforehand and kind of found myself in a little bit of a dilemma. And, um, uh, I was lucky enough to be working with uh, with another person. Uh, the person who I interned for was a member of the church, and so so I, I, I kind of had him as a mentor, kind of just like like, hey, like, am I? Is this a bad thing if I go? And and um, and he taught me that you know there you you can you can still keep your covenants um, in 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 places where other people aren't aren't haven't made covenants. I guess uh, like uh, you know. What, what I had to learn is that I, I could, um, you know, I could still be a good covenant keeping member of the church, uh, doing the things that I knew were true and right for me uh, without having to maybe sacrifice uh, friendships and relationships that um, uh, that were, uh, you know, maybe being built outside of outside of work. And so attending a happy hour, you know, while people were drinking and, and doing things around me. Um, I learned that, you know what, like I can I can do my best to be myself there, but not have to obviously kind of give in and, and, and do the things that they're doing. Uh, but in fact, that I could be respected and admired for, you know, being willing to kind of, uh, you know, be that friend and kind of show whatever it is, kind of that support, but still be still doing it my way. Right. And without having to kind of maybe give in to some of the other vices and things that, that other people do. And so, so, so yeah, I guess I kind of found a way to, to kind of, you know, stand, stand in holy places, but in my own shoes, um, if, if, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah, I love that. That's great. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so you teach a few classes on campus. Uh-huh. What do you hope that students get out of your classes? And that might be a broad question. Sure. But yeah. I guess just as far as like life goes, like what do you hope they take from your classes? Yeah, I mean, there's obviously the technical skills piece that I'd hope that you know they would get, and, and that you know that it's not just me kind of getting preachy and 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 everything. Like I, I do hope that they they recognize that the education that they're getting here um, is right on par with the education that people are getting. Um, you know, in some cases, even better than the education that they're getting um, at like a, a Harvard or a Yale or uh, some of these Ivy League schools. And the reason why I say that is not to hate on anybody who's gone to those schools, but to make people aware that when I when I moved to New York, those were the people who I was working with straight out of college. And I was it was very intimidating thinking that like, oh, man, that person went to Notre Dame, like that person went to UPenn Wharton, like like they they're going to crush me. Right. Um, but when I realized that, that, you know, the things that I had been taught and the skills that I had developed um, were were right on par with theirs um, and that in a weird way, I kind of had something more. I had a little bit of this. I don't know if it was a chip on my shoulder or just kind of this this, you know, I went to school in Idaho in security, uh, not the not the school in Provo in security uh, that that made me feel like I needed to kind of really prove myself. Um, but but it went a long way. Like it, it was, it was, you know, just kind of having this, some, some, some grit, some determination, um, a little bit of that, uh, good old fashioned work ethic. I'm, I'm not a farmer, but since I went to school in Idaho, I can claim, you know, some sort of farming work ethic, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> um, but, um, but that, that went a long way. And, and I found myself being, um, promoted, you know, before a lot of those people who had kind of those fancier educations. So, so that would be one thing is to not, um, not think that your education has less value than anywhere else. Um, I would argue that in some ways it has more. Um, other kind of life skill things. I mean, I think the big one is just keeping your covenants. And and if it's it sounds simple, but like we see so many people that you know kind of struggle, um, you know, while they're here um, when they leave, and um, 
And I don't know. I, th- I think sometimes we just think too hard about, you know, what's what's right and wrong. But at the end of the day, I think we just need to understand that, hey, if we've made covenants with God, let's understand what those covenants are. And if we really kind of look into them, if we kind of just, you know, study and, 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 and pray, like it's not super complicated. Like there are so many things that can make, you know, uh, you know, living an active LDS lifestyle complicated that that's unnecessary. Right. Um, you know, God. I believe loves us so much and it is so um is just is 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 such a fan of of who we are and 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 wants us to kind of do you know just just do our best and 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 wants to reward us so much that um that we don't have to overcomplicate things and and we can just focus on on you know really just this this the simple part of I've made a covenant and my job's to keep it and guess what like God is just as bound as I am in in blessing me with opportunities and things that um, might not be in in it, you know kind of kind of in my mind, but uh, but are definitely on the table if I if I kind of do my part. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's very hopeful. Well, my last question for you is: How has your experience at BYU Idaho helped you draw closer to Christ? Yeah, I think you know the big one for me was just developing really good habits and really. Um, just kind of, you know, kind of having, having a foundation of, of kind of knowing who I am as a child of God is as, as simple as that sounds and, and being willing to kind of lean into it. Um, you know, what I like about, uh, what I love about the BYU Idaho experience is that I can, you know, have these kind of spiritual, uh, whatever religious conversations in a marketing class or in an economics class. It doesn't have to just be in a religion class and and kind of just getting comfortable with, you know, kind of my own spirituality, uh, I think goes a long way. Um, I think sometimes, um, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's easy to kind of just uh, maybe look at certain conversations or things as taboo or or we have all this kind of, we have a lot of pressure from the world that really kind of doesn't, um, maybe prioritize or maybe kind of accept like, you know, spirituality or, 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 or religion. And, um, and I think just kind of getting comfortable with like, no, this is who I am. And, and, and I'm, I'm so proud of that. I'm so excited about that. Um, if it's okay, I'll, I'll share just one little yeah, other please. thought when I was at Microsoft. Um, you know, I, I remember at Microsoft, they had, um, they have all these different groups that you can join and you can you can be, um, you know, and, and a lot of them, you know, might be political groups. A lot of them might be, uh, you know, other whatever lifestyle groups. Um, some of them are just kind of your heritage groups and things like that. And and I kind of I kind of always felt like kind of weird. Well, where's where's the religion group? Like, why can't I? Ha- where's my group? Right. Like, why can't I have a group? And um, and, and I and I realized that, um, you know what, like like. I could I could use my religion religion to really kind of connect with a lot of these other groups because at the end of the day we're all children of God and we all are trying to do our best in in kind of living living the best lives that we know and so um, so so for me um, you know I had these opportunities to live my religion openly um, and 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 in some ways be protected from others whenever there was a scenario that might. Uh, you know, get a little a little shady or or, or whatever. I I remember this one time. Uh, it was it was like my skip level manager was was looking. There was a joke that was told, and it was it was basically it was on his phone and and it had like a, a a bad picture on. It's like, oh, you got to see this, you got to see this. And and I and I, obviously, you know, the the people who worked with me kind of knew, you know, kind of what my standards were. 
And I remember this one, uh, one of my friends, she just stands up. And, and again, this is like a skip level person. Like this is like somebody who, who, who holds a lot of weight. And she was like, don't you dare show that to him. You put that away right now. And, and I was, you know, I was just so grateful that, you know, that, that, that I didn't have to say anything. I would be fine saying it, but that, um, you know, that, uh, that, that I guess that, the way that I lived was 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 clear enough that there were there were certain boundaries that uh, uh, that were already there that that I didn't have to get preachy about, but they were just kind of accepted. Yeah, that's really cool that you're able to kind of I guess get that sort of I don't know reputation of like this is his standards. And yeah, I love that. I am curious if if someone hadn't stepped in. What would you have said? Because I feel like that's something that would be hard for me. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't want to be rude. Whatever. Like, how would you have approached that? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I would I, I would probably make some sort of joke. But at the end of the day, you know, just kind of say, hey, I'm not really into it. But thanks. You know, thanks. Kind of kind of a thing. But um, um, but but yeah, I mean, there were there were definitely situations where you do just kind of have to learn how to say no or or whatever. And just like, you know, uh, even even in some cases, you know, maybe even walk away. But um um, you know, I had a, I had a good enough relationship with with that person where I was just like, if I said no, I don't think he was going to press. He wasn't drinking at the time, so I don't think it would have gotten you know kind of gross <laughs> or anything. But uh, um, yeah, sometimes you just have to you just have to say it. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been really great. Of course. Thank you for having me.